Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. We're coming to you live from Robert Morris University Studios. I'm your co-host, Steve Stefano Mancini. And I'm Claudio Relsano. Thank you all for tuning in. We have a very special guest today, and you can also hear this show on Italian Impact Weekly. John, uh, Steve made sure that ding, I mentioned ding. this how many times, right? <laughs> so it's Italian Impact Weekly. We have a very, very special guest today, and we're going to discuss an Italian icon, but he's more than just an Italian icon. He's an icon in, in, in sports and in, in, in everything, really, and that's Rocky Marcin. Marciano. There's been a lot of books written about Rocky Marciano, and I've read just about all of them. But I tell you what, when this book came out, I said, well, and I talked to our guest prior to uh, reading the book, and I said, what what else can be said about a guy who passed in 69? Trust me I when I tell you, I was wrong. John Cameron, our guest today, did an unbelievable job in really coming up with things that no other book has come up with, very detailed, a lot of hard work. And on top of that, John's a great guy. John Cameron from the UK, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Claudio. That's one of the best introductions I've ever had. I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's all true. It's all true. And I'll give you my address to send the check. Because no uh, I'm like Rocky. Money's important to me. <laughs> well, it won't be a check then, will it? I'll have to uh, that's it. right. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Quick on your feet. Very good. All right. Well, you know what, John? We're going to start off. Why this project? Why Rocky Marciano? Out of all the boxers and all the, the great boxers from the UK, why Rocky? Um, well, I think you've probably answered the question is all the boxers from the UK because we haven't really had a great heavyweight champion until Tyson Fury showed up. So. Sure. But um, Rocky Marciano, I mean, I've said, I've told this story over the years to several people and it was all to do really when I was a child myself. I was a boxer and back when I was growing up in the late 70s and 80s, every town we used to have our own little boxing club. So I joined up the boxing club and my father, my late father would tell me stories about Rocky Marciano. When I was a kid, Marvin Hagler, he was the guy who ironically also was fighting out of Brockton. But when my father told me about Rocky, I thought I, I really need to learn a bit more about this individual. My father's Scottish, so you know there was no heritage background or anything there. So it, it shows that Rocky, Rocky transcended even America or anything else. He was a, a real world figure. So. So I learned all that I could. And as I read the books, I got hold of what I could get hold of back in the, the 80s and early 90s as I kept moving forward. There wasn't a huge amount of information that was available because the World Wide Web wasn't around then. And I kept reading things and thinking, there's more to this story. There's, you know, they're not telling everything, reading between the lines. So I wanted to find out for myself more than anything. And as I learned more and more and more and my information built up, I thought I need to I need to let other people know about this as well. So we get around a picture of, of who Rocky Marciano was. Now you have two volumes, 1923 to 49 and 1950 to 1969, which is the second book that will be out sometime in the fall. But why did you decide to do this format as opposed to just one big book? Well, I'm going to give you some breaking news now it's going to be three volumes oh that is going to be three volumes because i've got so much information now as you well know it's a purely purely independent project so i don't sure. have i don't have any uh, publicists or publishers behind me so i'm limited to the amount of pages that i can go to so i can go to about 500 pages 
per volume. And, and as you know, you've got the first copy. It's a big book, that one. The second one is going to be 1950 to 1956. Oh, and then okay. the third one will be 1957 to 1969. So I want to make sure I get everything in it. And every single day, literally every day, I'm learning more and more and more, especially since the first volume come out. So it's going to be quite a, yes, it's, it's, there's going to be some things coming out in the next couple of volumes that will surprise a lot of people, I think. So now, John, I want to I want to go back a little bit because you said, you know, you were you were boxing for a little bit. You know, obviously, an amateur boxer, but you know, you you were in the sport, and you know, you obviously, at least at the time, knew who you know who was out there. I remember marvelous. You said marvelous, was it marvelous Marvin Hagler. I, I remember him, yes. but um, but you said you were inspired by your dad, mm-hmm. and this is this is obviously there's this international allure to him, you know. I don't want to say this is, is this answered in the book, but what is it that he saw in him that led to him then leaving something with you that said, yeah, I want to know more about that guy? Absolutely. My, um, my father was, I mean, he was born in 1930. So when Rocky Marciano was the world heavyweight champion, my father was in the army. Back when my father was in his his late teens, early 20s, they had subscription was still in. So every person in the UK had to do two years stint in the army. So when my father was in the army, Rocky Marciano was the heavyweight champion of the world. And my father, being from that era, was very, and being Scottish as well, was very down to earth. And, you know, a, a, a spade was a spade and a fork was a fork and everything was just whatever he he met some very famous people and he wasn't really enamored by any of them at all. No one really impressed him. But when he spoke about Rocky Marciano <laughs> and he called him as hard as nails and I looked in my dad's eyes and I saw what was going through my father's father's thoughts at that time, I thought, man, who is this person who moves my dad so much? Because he really wasn't moved by, by many people, many accomplishments. So I thought... I'm gonna. I need to find out more about this. So my father, before he passed away, he knew about the project was coming along, and it was one of the proudest things that he was aware of. So that made me very. It's just sad that he's he's not going to see the finished project. But John, I don't know about that. I, in my opinion, and I'll, I, I believe he does see it. So for whatever it's worth, coming from me, he's yeah. he's very very proud, and, and and he does see it. Trust me when I tell you. But now, as I mentioned earlier, there are so many books written about Rocky, and I think I've read probably 90% of them. But none of them are as detailed as yours. I'll say that. And I went into it saying, what else could you possibly write about? <laughs> but you did. Now, um, why you tell our audience, though, coming from you, why is this book a little bit different? Well, as you say, it's the details. It's reading between the lines. I've read the book. I mean, I've, I've got... I think there's 12 biographies now that have come out over the last sort of 20 years or so, starting with Russell Sullivan back at the turn of the century. There's been a few more have been released, but they just don't go into the depth and the detail. For instance, I wanted to find out how most of the stories would tell about how Rocky as a youth, he had absolutely no interest really in boxing. And then suddenly he went in the army, he came out and he was a boxer or he decided to become a boxer so he must have had fights in the army so i wanted to uncover all that information which is all out there if you look hard enough you can find it all 
so I've got all the newspaper articles from like Fort Lewis Flame, for instance, which is he was based at Fort Lewis for a few years when he came back to America from when he was stationed in he was stationed in Wales, which is not that far away from where I live. So I wanted to find that sort of information. I just wanted, I really wanted to answer the when people say Rocky Marciano was a lot of people say now he was overrated because he fought bums when he was coming up through and then he fought old men when he was the champion. Well, when you actually go into the, the newspaper archives and you speak to people who were there and I have spoken to members of Rocky's family, I've spoken to friends of Rocky's, people who actually knew the man who have all been incredibly complimentary about what I'm doing, which has, has, has really, you know, made my day. But when you actually go back into the start of his career in particular, and you actually read the records of the people he was fighting, when he started out, he wasn't fighting people who were pushovers. He was being put in against fighters who they thought that Rocky was going to lose. They thought Rocky was going to be a setup for these other people. And then Rocky would beat them and then move on to the next one. So it was only really in the middle of his career, sort of late 1950 into 1951, that he started being fed people that were a little softer so that he could be built up to fight the Rex Lanes and the Joe Lois's and people like that. But at the beginning, he no, he wasn't fed setups at all. He was He was being fed. So people need to understand this about Rocky. I'm with you a thousand percent. I don't know of another boxer that has been labeled. A lot of them have been said overrated, but his opponents, for example, I, I never liked. I know it was the, the the movie Coming to America, the joke that Eddie Murphy said <laughs> that Joe Lewis was 136 years old. Yeah. But what people don't tell you, number one, he was only 36. Number two, he had, uh, I think he went 11 and 0 prior to the Marciano fight, and yeah. he was fighting yeah. guys like Bob Satterfield and some very good fighters, yeah, and Joe Lewis suppose. beat them. Yeah. So, and 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 about the Lewis Marciano matchup. Obviously, I know you, you're going to write it. Rocky loved Joe Lewis, but yeah. he said it would have been an easier fight if when Joe was in his prime because Joe liked to come in on you, and that's when Rocky would have caught him. And Absolutely. as far as his opponents after Rocky was uh, champ, Archie Moore, Rocky's last opponent, he fought Muhammad Ali several years later. So he was still <laughs> a, 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 a very good fighter. Ezra Charles <clears throat> was an unbelievable fighter. Jersey Joe Walcott gave Rocky everything he possibly could. Now the second fight, it was a different ballgame. <laughs> Carmine Vingo. It was, <laughs> if Rocky doesn't beat Vingo and or Roland LaStarza, we might be doing an interview with somebody right now talking about Carmine Vingo and Roland LaStarza. Absolutely, absolutely. And this was the thing that other, that the people don't understand is that, and, and I try and get across because I've got a YouTube channel as well in which I address some of these things. And that's the Rocky Marciano archives. If anyone's listening, go on YouTube and subscribe. But a um, little plug there. Oh, but, there better as many be, as you want. There better be thousands <laughs> of people listening. That's I'm right. going to be pissed. People that, um, <laughs> that Rocky was fighting, the reason why you now look back at them as, as being nobodies is because they walked into Rocky Marciano or, you know, pretty much 90% of the boxers, like people like Bobby Quinn, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. They fought Rocky. They were on their way up. They could have done some. Carmine Vingo as well is, is a tragic example. These were people who were on their way up and then they had the bad luck of walking into Rocky Marciano, somebody they thought he was older than them because let's not forget Rocky was 24 when he turned professional 
who was older than them, who looked like he was just going to be a club fighter that they could just walk through and mm -hmm. progress their career. Instead, they ended up getting flattened in one or two rounds and suddenly they're nobodies and Rocky goes on towards the championship. Well, they thought there was a lot of holes in his game and they could expose it and make a name off of him and he would be like, like pretty much a journeyman, but that wasn't, exactly. that wasn't exactly, the case. Yeah. Steve? Oh, John, I want to ask you something. I want to go back a little bit. So you're doing things a little different and you're kind of, you're uncovering information. I don't want to say it was unknown, but for whatever reason, other authors didn't bother to look at it. How hard has that been for you to find things that aren't in other books about him that, that, that you know, that thus they reveal something new and different to go, oh, I didn't know that about him. So how, how hard has that journey been for you? The first part of the journey was very difficult. And I'll admit that without without a shadow of a doubt. And I've been helped along the way by by people who, who've shown faith and have, have been able to provide me with material and the, the newspaper articles. Because being in the UK, obviously now it's a little bit easier because I can just go on the internet and I can get access to, to any sort of library or anything like that. But back when I first started this journey 10, 15 years ago, it was very, very difficult. But as I'm moving forward, and obviously with the first volume being out and with appearances on shows like this, with the thanks of yourself, Claudio, who's been wonderful, and other people are now starting to come to me. For instance, I got to speak to, to Donna Langway recently, who's a, a nephew of Rocky Marciano's. And she said that she was a bit hesitant at first to speak to me, but when she read the book, she went, I realise you're doing, doing Rocky justice. So... I'm happy to speak to you. So she's opened up avenues for more people. So now I'm getting to a point where people are coming to me and giving me information and opening up about things. So it's getting a lot easier now, but you have to do that legwork at the start to build that foundation. And then as long as you're on the right path, suddenly things will start happening. All right. Now, for those of you just turning tuning in, we are talking to the new Rocky Marciano book biographer, Mr. John Cameron. And uh, John... You know, one thing that's always, and I think it's a good thing, is they stick the money thing to Rocky, how frugal he was and how he was worried about money. And to be honest with you, I was attracted, that was one of the things I was attracted to him about. I appreciated the fact that he watched his money. He used to say, kind of somewhat paraphrasing, they're going to make fun of you if you make money and mm -hmm. blow it. They're going to make fun of you if you make money and keep it. I'd rather than make fun of me and and that I kept it. Why, what was it with him that he was so obsessed with money? And let me ask you this, when he fought his opponents, no matter who it was, me personally, I always looked at it that he looked at that opponent not as Ezra Charles, not as Jersey Joe Walcott, not as Carmine Vingo, but that person stands between me and being out on the street. <clears throat> <coughs> Excuse me, a coffee. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, um, Rocky, I don't think... See, at the start, I was also under the impression that Rocky was obsessed with money. And I, as I'm learning more and more about Rocky, I don't think it was so much that he was obsessed with money, per se. It was more being being sure that he could take care of himself and of his, of his family, his extended right. family, his parents and his wife. And he helped a lot of people, not to interrupt you, but he, he helped did. a he, lot he of people. Did. He was he was hugely helpful. He he would think nothing of um given if he for instance, if he had he was phoned up and he was asked if he could attend some sort of exhibition or conference or something, 
and he would sometimes pass it on to other boxers who were less fortunate than, them, than himself because he'd done very well in his retirement years he was always in demand in his retirement years but i don't think i say i don't think it was an obsession with money it was it was like you know a lot of us especially back in those days they, they'd lived through the depression and and money although they weren't a poor family per se as in as in living in, in poverty or destitute they were still very much aware of, of the impact of not having huge amounts of money so i think for rocky it was just a means to an end money for him just to have it to know that he didn't have to worry about where the next penny was coming from and, and I, I do believe you're right that it was a case because he was such a nice person to people mm -hmm. outside of the ring everyone who fought him would all say the same they they all remained friends with rocky after they fought so it wasn't it wasn't any animosity or or anything like that towards his opponents it simply was to him a job something that needed to be done and when he got in the ring the blinkers would go down and <laughs> be the rocky marciano that that we all know that's right but, as soon as as soon as the, the fight was over and more times than not the opponent was on the floor rocky would be over there making sure they were all right and then after that they'd, they'd walk away friends so that's right and, and john i want to i want to go i want to pick up on something you said there i want to go back you know because you, you know like you said he comes up in the great depression people are poor but he's not that poor how much do you get into in the book about how he was raised the impact of his family, of his upbringing, that you know, basically created this, you know, this boxer. To your to your point, here, here he is, you know, a nice guy helping people. At the same time, he goes in the ring and it's it's you know, flicks the switch and you know, you're on the canvas. Then it's over. Now we're but I mean, how much of that do you talk about in the book as far as what creates him as the person that on one hand can be this great guy at the same time can put you on the you know put you on the floor you know quickly. Well, in the um, in the first volume, I haven't gone into a huge amount of detail on it because I wasn't too aware. It was more more the mechanics of A, B, C, D, and this is what he did, and this is what he did. But since the first volumes come out, as I say, I've been able to speak to more and more of his actual family members. And the second volume and going forward is going to deal more with the person behind the boxer. But when I say he wasn't poor, I mean they weren't they weren't obviously affluent family. There were there were six children in the family plus the two adults, his mother and his father. So they weren't they weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination. But the only one who worked for a long time when Rocky was a child would have been the father because obviously his mother Pascalina Marcajano gave up work when when she knew she was um, pregnant with Rocky because she'd actually lost a child a year before because she carried on working so so she gave up work so it was literally just the father so when rocky as soon as rocky was old enough to earn some money he felt it was a responsibility of his to go out and start earning money to, to start putting into the kitty so that he could look after his his family and he always kind of looked that he was responsible even as a heavyweight champion and later in retirement he always felt a responsibility to to look after his brothers and sisters and to make sure they were okay and to bring them up as well right so he was he was a hugely family orientated man his both his mother and his father were were very much like treat everyone as you would want to be treated so that's that's just he was just an incredible person the more i learn about him the more the more remarkable i'm, I'm discovering that he is by the way uh something very 
subtle that you said there. Uh, for the longest time, I thought his name really was Rocky Marciano. What is his <laughs> real last name? Because I'll bet, I'll bet there's a lot of people listening right now that don't realize that is not his real last name. What no, is his real last no. name? <clears throat> his real last name is Marcajano. Right. Right. Rocco Franks, Rocco Francis Marcajano. Just a little. Marcajano is actually um, comes from the, the is an Italian word, and it means it comes from the area called Le Marche in in Italy, and the Giano comes means gateway or or they some people believe it might mean John. Funnily enough, so it's the original Marcajano was either gateway to to Marche or John of Marche. So. Now, when I said about being obsessed with money, uh, what I meant by that, I guess, and, I, and I'm still going to say he was, even though you know I, I know what you're saying, he was afraid. I know he saw boxers that were shining shoes, and, and he read a book when he was a kid about boxers who went broke, and he just didn't want that to happen to him. And obviously money was a tool to make sure, as my dad used to say, that they, they kept the, way, the wolf away from the door. And... He earned, like he used to say, I, I earned that money, and he really did earn that money. So, you know, <laughs> I, I always appreciated the fact that he didn't blow his money. and But at the same time, as you know, there would be an event that he would have uh, on the 10th, and he would call that person on the 9th and say, I can't make it, but I'll do the next show for you for free if you have Ezra Charles or Jersey Joe Walcott take my place and then he did a lot for joe lewis he did a lot for a lot of mm. the fighters yeah. as you said <clears throat> he, he yes, you know did, did some yeah. things for carmine vingo so rocky he he it was money was extremely important to him but he was also very generous uh with, with um his time and and with money as well absolutely yeah i mean he, he would when carmine vingo had that, that injury rocky did help towards the um payment of his of his hospital bills right. even though Rocky wasn't earning huge amounts at the time in comparison to what he would be but of course also when he became heavyweight champion of the world he he lost 50% of everything that he earned to his manager Al, Al Wiles so, right. which is another reason why he, he did much prefer to be paid in cash because <laughs> that way there Al Wiles couldn't get his hands on any of it because a lot of people think that they say Rocky retired to cut ties with Al Wilde, and that's not the case at all because when Rocky retired in 1956, he was actually thinking about retiring in about nine, late 1954, early 1955, but he was persuaded to stay on for another year to, to cash in on the title a little bit more. But he actually came to an agreement with Al Wilde that he would retire from the ring, but Al Wilde would remain kind of his manager in the background for a I think it was up until late 1957, early right. 1958. And even then, they still had a connection for another year or two. So mm -hmm. so he didn't retire to cut ties with Al Wilde. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more <clears throat> about that relationship as well, but we're going to take a quick break. And uh, the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame banquet, which will be Wednesday, August 2nd at the Lamont Restaurant here in Pittsburgh at Mount Washington. If you want to become a member of the Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame or would like more information on the banquet, please contact us at questions at italianimpactweekly.com. That's questions at italianimpactweekly.com. We're also having a membership drive, a cigar smoker with complimentary, complimentary cigars, wine, beer, lim uh, limoncello sampling, appetizers, it's only $25 per person, Monday, April 3rd 
the time will be from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Broadleaf uh, Cigar Room at 426 Broad Street in Swickley, Pennsylvania. It's right next door to Mambo Italiano, which my friend Jimmy Zapparo and uh, Joe Piccarelli owned. Uh, so you can also find out more about that event on April 3rd by <clears throat> sending an email to questions at italianimpactweekly.com. And don't forget about my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not to Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. And that's only one volume, not three like John has. <clears throat> but uh, as it's well very as... very thorough, Claudio. It's, it's very, very thorough. thorough. That's right. As well as my podcast, uh, go to claudiorelsano.com. You'll hear such great interviews, such with Mario Andretti, Vince Ferragamo, Dick Vermeil, Vince Papali, and of course, Mr. John Cameron. Our TV boxing show, The Boxing Authorities with Luther Dupree Jr. And smoking Jim Frazier. You can check us out on Channel Box. And John has been on that show as well. And uh, don't forget to go to our website. If you miss a show on the radio, go to ItalianImpactWeekly.com and upcoming guests. Uh, March 23rd will be Josh DeNuno. Of the, he's the owner of Moon Run Golf Course. Uh, Donnie Iris will be on soon. And on May 4th, uh, the another icon, Mr. Mario Andretti, will be on our show. So, uh, a lot of great stuff coming up. Okay, John, um, you know, talked about Al Weil. Something really bothers me about some of the movies, and uh, so this is a two-part question. Mm-hmm. Number one, the two movies made about Rocky, I mean, the, the first one I didn't like at all. The second one had parts that were okay. But even some documentaries about, uh, like Sports Century, they said that sometimes Al Weil would haul off and slap Rocky. And, and I, I really, really, really doubt that he slapped Rocky Marciano. And, you know, Rocky was a good guy and a family man, as you said, but at the same time, he was no one to mess with. And um, I find I, what I don't like is when, for example, okay, with me, I know a lot about him. Okay, I, I can decipher the the truth and Hollywoodizing things, but some people who don't know about Rocky, you have a very huge responsibility whenever you write a book, whenever you make a documentary or a movie or anything about anybody, because the message that you're putting out there, people are going to believe it. What are your thoughts on some of the misconceptions? Of, of Marciano and some of the fallacies that were put out about him. Well, to that, uh, yes. <laughs> Essentially, that's exactly why I wanted to write the books, is to get to the actual truth of Rocky Marciano, or as close as I can get to the truth of Rocky Marciano. I know I won't get to absolutely everything because there's still going to be information out there that is not accessible to me. But I want to cut through the myths and the legends and and everything else to be able to tell as true as I can the story of who Rocky Marciano was as a person and also who the people around him were as well. Because obviously Rocky Marciano would not have become heavyweight champion of the world without Charlie Goldman and without Al Wilde and of course without Ali Colombo as well, his, sure. his friend from Brockton. But there are, the, the, without a while, there is actual, I think the slapping things that have been said are exaggerated, but there is video footage of our while 
tapping him across the face during an interview. Yeah, then you can and, also and, see Rocky kind yes, of holding and, that yeah, hand. Exactly, and yeah. you can see Rocky's reaction. That's to right. It. So you can see where people have taken something that they've seen and made it more than it actually was. But also, our while I've spoken to our wild's grandson and to his, his granddaughter as well, because obviously I want to understand it from every angle. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Al Weil was somebody who was, don't get me wrong, he was no angel. <laughs> he was no angel at all. But he was someone who would take a boxer when they were 16, 17 years old. And he would be used to essentially telling them what they needed to do. Because back in the day, obviously, it's not like today where a boxer is very much in charge of what they do and when they fight. Back then, it was the manager was in charge. He would say to you, you are fighting next week or next month or in three or four months' time. You're fighting this guy. You get in the ring and you fight. So Al Weil was very much of that ilk where he would take a boxer under his wing and he would essentially not bully him, but he would push him into situations and make sure he did what Al Weil wanted him to do. So he was used to boxers when they're 16, 17, 18 years old, very much acquiescing to what Al Weil said. So of course, when Rocky turns up at 24 years old and Al Weil treats him like a child, that kind of didn't sit quite right with Rocky, but he knew he knew he had, if he wanted to, to really make it in the world of boxing because everyone had told him, look, this Al Weil, He's not the nicest guy in the world. He's not the worst either. There are worse out there. But this guy can get you to the championship. So Rocky kind of took it for a little bit. But obviously uh, didn't take it very well in the end. I, do, I kind of want to pick up on something, though. Why, why do you think – so he's a champion. He's, you know, to your point, your, your father obviously saw something in him and said, no, no, that, that guy is the real deal and he inspires something in you. There are a lot of people that saw him that way. What is it? Why do people then kind of almost armchair quarterback, as we say here in the stage, and, and lock back and go, ah, oh, he wasn't that good? Or they're like, what What causes that? What caused that with him particularly? Like, why would anybody want to want to second guess him as a great champion, is my point. Yeah. I, I think it's more because, and it's, it's, the, it's the great sort of antithesis of what actually makes him so great is the fact that, especially nowadays you look at the heavyweight champions or or any heavyweight boxer and you're looking at someone who's 220 pounds plus you're, you're tyson fury who's six foot eight or whatever tyson fury is or or big 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 guys and then you look at rocky marciano and go he was only about 13 and a half stone <laughs> he, he, he didn't stand any taller than than five foot eleven five foot ten five foot eleven so how did he do what he done? He, he must have been fighting pushovers, you know. For not forgetting or totally forgetting the fact that back in in Rocky's day, if you got a fighter who came in at over two hundred pounds, everyone went, "He's out of shape. He, he's going to be, you know, he's bloated. He's fat and bloated." Fighters back then were around about one hundred and ninety, two hundred pound maximum, really. So I, th I think it's also it's a lot of people who actually. I think it's just they just cannot believe what he was able to achieve. And it's kind of a jealousy kind of thing as well. I really do believe that because I've spoken to people before where 
they've gone on about their favourite boxers and they've picked Rocky Marciano apart. And then I've gone, yeah, well, you can say the same thing about whoever your favourite fighter is as well. And they become so, oh, so well, I just sometimes I just have to turn the computer off so I don't get into arguments <laughs> about things like that. But, but they, yeah, so that they like to attack Rocky, but they don't like it when you go, well, actually, no, this is a, no. <laughs> See, that's the great thing about your book, John, is that you, you don't just glide through something. And there was a book that I was really looking forward to this one particular biography of this one fighter. I won't mention the name. It was very interesting. And we knew about his boxing career. But I wanted to know what the guy did after he was retired, more about his family, more about everything, right? And the author just brushed over that, whereas you did not. You, for the lack of a better term, <clears throat> you stopped the bus, let the, the people out of the bus, and let the other people come by. I mean, you were really thorough. But the one thing about what, what Steve asked about um, – about, you know, some of the fighters and misconceptions and stuff like that and the size difference and all that – Having said all that about the size, I don't know of another fighter, including the big, big punchers like like the Foremans, the Tysons, the Listons, the, uh, well, Jack Dempsey, him, yes. Other than Dempsey, who else smashed teeth into the gums? Mm -hmm. Who else sheared off teeth? Who else put, busted up uh, and made arm, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, burst of the arm vessels in the arm like he did to Roland Stars and Ezra Charles. Who else did that to Jersey Joe Walcott, the most famous punch in boxing history? I mean, where he damn near decapitated uh, Jersey Joe Walcott and busted him up pretty good. I don't know. And Carmen Ving uh, Carmine Vingo, look what he did to him where he ended his career. Okay. What other fighter in any weight class did that kind of damage to another fighter? So how, even though he was 5'10", 188 was his last fight. Uh, against Moore, um, who else did that? As big as Tyson Fury is, and, and as you know on our boxing show, The Boxing Authorities, which you can catch on Channel Box with Luther Dupree Jr. and Smoke and Jim Frazier and myself. And don't forget about ItalianImpactWeekly.com. <laughs> get on that website. Get on that website. <clears throat> but we, we, website. we always get have the, the website. There yeah. you go. And we do the fantasy fights, right? <clears throat> so I, I, like people would see a Tyson Fury against Rocky Marciano. Oh, it's a blowout. Rocky would have busted his ribs and, and really, in my opinion, would have busted his ribs up, which nobody else goes to the body. Rocky would have. And Rocky was another misconception. And, and again, we're going to get more, more in your book, obviously. Um, but another misconception about Rocky was he went in there and just got slaughtered and he landed one punch and it was over, which was not true. Yep. Yep. And the other thing that was not true is besides the first Walcott fight, Besides the Ezra Charles fights, especially with the split nose, I don't know of another fight where Rocky was all cut up. He was hard to hit because of the way he was taught. But Goldman, you know, you're five ten, five eleven, but but fight five foot two, duck, you know, and all that. Your comments on those? Absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the big misconceptions is that he was a bleeder because obviously you get the famous pictures of his nose falling off or right. his split eye. Even at the time, Rocky Marciano, in the in the press of the time, the, the press would say, he bleeds, blah, 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 he cuts. Rocky would say, I don't cut. I've only been cutting about four fights <laughs> once right. in, before I became champion and a few times since. So, And he did have an operation on his eye. He had a, a bad cut above one of his eyes. I think it was his right eye. So he had an operation to cut some of the scar tissue away. 
and that never opened up again so so he wasn't a, a bleeder and i i don't really like to get into any fantasy fights in regards to to rocky versus whoever else because a it, it opens up a whole can of worms and people don't like listening to it right the only times i'll ever i'll, I'll sort of do that is maybe johansson patterson johansson when rocky would still have been there or thereabouts if he'd got himself into shape mm. but <clears throat> but tyson fury is absolutely an exceptional talent don't get me oh, wrong sure. he's an exceptional talent but rocky marciano in his day sparred with fighters who were taller about the same height as Tyson Fury that were 200 plus pounds because he liked to spar with bigger people mm -hmm. because it, it gave him the opportunity to learn his punches. Rocky Marciano, I'll, I'll put this on record now and people can attack me, but if Rocky Marciano was around today, A, he would have been heavier. Right. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. You Probably 200 to 10. It's not a huge deal, but he would have been heavier. Right. He would have, he would have broken Tyson Fury's ribs. You're absolutely right. There's no doubt in my mind. He broke Muhammad Ali's ribs when he was 45 years old That's and right. Ali was 25. There's no doubt at all that Marciano would have done more than very well in the modern era. I think the only time he would have been really was saying up against it, but it would have been challenged, would have been back in the 90s. You had Tyson and Holyfield and Lennox Lewis and people like that. But the fighters who've come since then, no, Rocky would have done just fine. It would have been, they, they would have been talking about them going, well, they were bums or they were old. And these guys, talking of old, these guys are in their 30s as well. Usyk, was he now, 35, 36? Exactly. You know, yeah. so, so when they talk about... um. Wilcott and Charles and Lois and that being all in their 30s, those guys are only an average age for what That's the heavyweights right. are today. So, a, a couple of things from what you said, I remember when they did the uh, fantasy fight, which I know, not fantasy fight, but the computer fight yeah. with Ali Marciano, which I know I can't wait to get, I uh, can't wait to, your, to, to read what you wrote about that. But um, at first, obviously, Marciano wasn't too crazy about Muhammad Ali. Then after they became very good friends, but uh, he told somebody, I think he told Angelo Dundee, he said, you know, Ange, he's a good kid, but in my day, I'd have killed him. <laughs> I always <laughs> like that line. But I'll tell you one thing, you're going to laugh. Uh, and I do agree with you. He, he, and he, uh, something about Rocky, when he was down, not down, but when he, was, when he had the, the split nose against uh, Ezra Charles, and they were, he was bleeding so badly, they said, Rock, we're going to give you one more round. And he turned it up. I think he could have done that against anybody because he just had that ferocity about him. He had that focus. But I'll tell you a guy that I thought he had the toughest time with. And you know who that is? Yeah. Don Cockle. Because he slugged Don Cockle. Remember those things, John? Those, uh, what were they things? You, you, you punch them, you, weebles wobble, oh, but they don't come oh, down. Don't yeah. down. Yeah. He hit this guy, Steve, and to our audience. And go check it out on YouTube. And, John, I know you saw it. Yeah. He hit this guy with some shots. And this guy didn't budge. He had a thick neck. And, he, and then Rocky finally, like, almost disgusted, wound up and just clobbered him. And finally, the, the one round, if you remember, after the round was over, he didn't know where to go. Yeah, he was totally confused. Unbelievable. Um, but what a chin that man had. 
Well, he was he was an exceptional boxer. I mean, but yeah. the problem with with Don Coquel was he had a glandular condition, which meant that he had to fight at heavyweight because he was actually an exception an exceptional middleweight and light heavyweight. And if I didn't know that glandular condition, I didn't he know that. A, I, I think it's probably possible he would have been a world champion at a lighter weight. Yes, yeah, so he had a very bad glandular condition that that meant and it, it cost him his life in the end. But that's why he looked so pudgy and so so overweight in that fight. But he was a, a proper tough, tough guy. And also to give Don Cockle his due, and I know he was English, so you know, <laughs> I'm not sticking up for him because he was English, but a lot of the press mm-hmm. in America as well as in the UK said that, you know, Rocky was a little bit a little bit over the top in some of his uh, some of his performances against Don Cockell. Don Cockell never, even in on the way home when he was he was um, sailing back to the UK afterwards, and the press were hounding him about about Rocky's maybe punching him when he was on the ground and and things like that. Don Cockell said, "Look, this is fighting. That's you know, right. I come in here to fight. I fought him. He hit me, and you know that was it. That was the way it was." So he, he said, "I've got nothing against Rocky at all." And later on in life, somebody said to him, "How good was Rocky Marciano?" And and Don Cockell said, "Well, all I know is is he was too bloody good for me." So. <laughs> John, I want to ask you, uh, do you you mentioned his weight, and you said, well, if he was in modern era, he would have been a heavier weight. Would that have been good for him to fight up, or do you, do you think his strength was where he was at? Or like, because sometimes you know you can a little bit kind of you know you lose a little speed, you lose a little. But summer. he wasn't he wasn't a speed guy to begin nah, with. No, he was a power guy. Yeah. But I'm wondering if the, if the but, extra yeah, weight would have, would have hindered him a little things bit. Things like that. Yeah. No, he um he trained down. Charlie Goldman said that when they were training for because obviously Rocky was always. Was he was a boxer, he was always constantly training, but he put on weight quite easily. And Charlie Goldman said, I, I think in the six weeks plus that we, we lead up to an, an actual fight where we're properly training, and Rocky loses something like about 200 pounds because he'll, he'll lose a pound and gain two pounds. But Rocky had to train down, he was more of a natural, natural weight at the time, bearing in mind there was no no knowledge about enhancements and, and diet and things like that. Rocky would eat steaks and, and spit the, spit the right. steak out <laughs> and just swallow it. So he had his, his own particular diet. So with today's technology or the technology that's been around for the last 20, 30 years, there's no doubt Rocky would have been a 200 plus plus pounder. But his, when he was in, the, in sparring, when he was training for a fight, people actually said he was more powerful when he was maybe four weeks out from a fight, when he was weighing about 195 pounds, than he was when he was in the fight. He almost was overtraining for every fight, and his his management team and his trainer used to pull him out the ring at sometimes and say, "Look, you know, you need to you need to go and rest and relax a little bit. You're getting too overtrained." Which is why he would always, when he was fighting as a champion, and he would be fighting once every six months it would take him two or three rounds to really get his flow and his rhythm back again because he was he was just not too sharp, but he was too tight from training a little too much. So. Now, um, another misconception uh, to me was, again, they made it sound like he was clumsy and he would trip over his feet. Now, don't forget now, he, he had some tryouts uh, for Major League Baseball. He was a catcher, mm-hmm. and he was also, I, I believe he was a football player. You would know that better yep, than me. Yep. But uh, uh, obviously his big famous punch was what? The Walcott punch. But another punch that I wish people would talk more about was when he threw a left 
against Ezra Charles, and he missed. And he did a beautiful, as, as a pro baseball scout, I look for footwork, right? He missed a left, and right away he stopped with his left foot, loaded up with his right foot, and he pushed off, and he gave Ezra Charles a, a beautiful mm-hmm. right. Okay, mm-hmm. was Rocky upset, or, or did he? Was he a little touchy whenever reporters would say pretty much he was almost pretty, pretty much like a club fighter? Did he take exception to that? No, no, no. From what I've read, he never took exception because he'd be the first one to hold his hand up and say, "I am not." A master boxer and mm-hmm. i've never been a master boxer and charlie goldman would say multiple times that when rocky first walked into into the gym he said i, ju- I, I just had to walk to the end of the gym and back when i saw him box because he had absolutely no idea of what he was doing in there all he really had was the ability to just fight he, a, a street tough almost ability to go in there and fight and he had this big punch and everyone goes on about his right Susie Q, but he, he could hit with both hands. Sure. I mean, he had a lot of punch or a lot of fights ended. Um, Harry Matthews, where well, he knocked Matthews that's right. out with, you know, it was a, a straight left and then bang, bang, two left hooks and good night. That was it. It was all over. But no, Rocky knew his limitations in regards to he wasn't a scientific or a clever boxer. John. So the only thing that he really took exception to was when people said that he was a savage in the ring. He didn't like that because he thought his his mother might be might get upset when she read reports <laughs> he was a savage in the ring. Right. Uh, funny. I would don't don't take your mother off. A good Italian. That's yeah. right. No, 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 <laughs> that's right. No. <laughs> that's his, biggest, his biggest opponent, John. Before we only have a few minutes left, I want to come back to the books though for our for our listeners. So volume one is out there. You've got mm-hmm. volume two coming out, and you're going to have a volume three. Yeah. What is for the listeners? What does volume one cover, and then can you talk about volume two and three really quickly? What they're going to cover? Absolutely. So, volume one: Redemption: The Life of Rocky Marciano, 1923 to 1949. So that will cover obviously his childhood, right through the army, right through his his amateur career, right through his early professional career, up to and including his fight with Carmine Vingo. So we go into detail in that. We look at his opponents as well. I find that very important to look at his opponents. And then and that's, let's say, available on Amazon. And volume two will be 1950 to 1956, which will cover his rise to the heavyweight championship. And then his winning and defending the title. You think you've heard all the stories from that time. Trust me, you haven't. And then the next volume will be volume three. To say volume two, I'm hoping to get out by the end of this year. Volume three, then, is going to be 1957 from his retirement to 1969. And it, that one's going to be very well worth waiting for because I've got a lot of information on that. I was going to say, how, how, how goes the effort to get information? I mean, you said you're, you seem to be digging under every tree out there sounds like you're having a, a good success with finding things that either it's, folks missed or just didn't really appreciate it's going very well i've got certain people who have promised to send me things from private private sources that are going to be very good so i've got things coming that i've got an extraordinary amount already and, and members of the family and friends have been more than happy to share information that's never been shared before and there is more coming so two two part question how difficult is it to make sure that because you have been talking to a lot of his 
family members and, and mm-hmm. obviously his family, his, the ones that actually watched him fight and were around are most likely have passed. But um, the ones that you have been talking to, obviously they're very protective of, I, I don't want to use the word brand, but Rocky's reputation. So how careful are you about that? And number two, I said this to you when we first met uh, online years and years ago. Years uh, ago. About, uh, yeah, it's crazy how many years ago this was. This has been some project for this man, too, and he's done an unbelievable job. But a movie. You know, I, I told you, I, I'll do whatever I can to help you get a movie going because the movies that have been made, again, back to that, have been bad. And then they all stop at the Joe Lewis thing. But like you just said, the, th- the third volume that you're coming up with is the one I'm most interested in. Because they're not covering that on Sports Century, they're not covering that on ESPN. Yeah. You're going to really dig in, and he was a very interesting man. And I think there'll be even more of a connection to people who read the Marciano. You know, what what year did you start to '69? What was that again? 1957. So that'll be coming after he retired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. your thoughts on again, kind of, I don't want to say walking on elk eggshells, but kind of protect. You know, uh, being careful with the the name, the brand, the family name, and then uh, is there? Are you thinking about perhaps a potential movie out of this? Always thinking of a movie, Claudia. Well, give me a call. Yeah, I know some movie people. You know, I know everybody. Can I be an extra? Being, being Oscars, Oscar season at the moment as well. I was watching that, thinking, you know, it'd be nice to be stood on there. One That's day, right. But, you know, I don't know about but, that, um, but I'll just take your word for it. <laughs> a movie would be something that's far down the road. You know, something will happen. I've got, I've got a good feeling that it just takes one person to pick up sure. uh, the project and go yes. But as for the Rocky brand, I totally agree with you. There are certain people who are more reticent than others. But the good thing is, with the first volume coming out, the members of the family that I've spoken to and other people that I've spoken to have read the first volume. And they have gone, yes, I'm learning things I didn't know. (laughs) And these are people that knew Rocky. Some of them were only children at the time, but they knew Rocky as a person and and they interacted with him. So they're coming forward. Every single one of them that I've spoken to, including his son, have been so complimentary and, and said, you are doing this right. That's so great. I don't want to skirt around anything. I don't want to hide anything away because that wouldn't be truthful to the person. So I also have to be mindful that I'm doing it in a respectful way as well. And at the moment, all those who have reached out to me and spoken to me have said, you are doing his his memory a great honor keep doing what you're doing so john i want to kind of pick up with that kind of last thing i want to give you a chance to kind of um you know tell our listeners and and briefly why do they care why do they care about rocky marciano what, what why am i going to pick this book up and read it what does it matter to me let's tell our listeners that because i think there is a good story here and i and I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of everybody has a good story but i i do believe some have I want to say better stories than other, and I think this is a good story. So tell our listeners why this is important. It's important because Rocky Marciano, and I think this is one of the things that I really take from it, and the more I learn about it, the the, the more amazed I am by this person. Here was a man who was born into lower circumstances, not lowly, but lower circumstances, who raised himself up for the American listeners, et cetera, et cetera. He lived the American dream. 
he was the American dream. He rose up from nothing and became somebody and he did it through sheer will. He was an immigrant, first generation immigrant into a country and he became the champion of the entire world. But more than that, he would go in and he would fight these people, as I mentioned, and then afterwards, not one single opponent of his had a bad word to say about him. Not one of them. Every single one, when they heard about his death, were absolutely mortified and were saying, we have lost a remarkable human being. Rocky Marciano didn't, didn't judge people on first contact. He treated everyone the way that he wanted to be treated. He treated them with kindness and with respect. If they stood on his toes, different story. But he treated everyone as he wanted to be treated. Plus the guy, as I say, he was only, he started off as a, as a fighter with everything going against him. 24 years old, he had a bad back. He had a bad shoulder, which is why he didn't make it in baseball. He had a crooked right arm. He couldn't straighten his arm out properly. He couldn't box a lick, as he said, when he started out. All he had was one thing. And he had brittle hands as well. As a puncher, he had brittle hands. And yet this guy, through sheer will and determination, went on to become the undefeated heavyweight champion of the world. If this man can achieve anything, then anyone, if you've got something you really want to do, just look at Rocky Marciano. Look what he could do believe that you can do it too very well said john we have two minutes left and i i want you to finish by telling everybody where to get the book but real quick and this is a personal question kind of corny but i I believe in these kind of (laughs) things Uh, i'm italian do you believe that rocky marciano appreciates and admires and is in your corner with all this work that you're doing because i do believe it Oh, oh thank you for that and and some of the things that have been coming into me and the way things find their way to me, I like to think he probably is, I mean, he is looking over me. I've got his pictures on the wall, but I think he is probably looking down going, yes, yes, you're doing okay. And that's why things are coming to me that I thought years ago, there's no way I'm going to be able to get this, but they're coming. Well, I believe your dad's very proud, and I believe Rocky's very you. proud because uh, you. you're really getting his name out there again. And and um, and I know that uh, I, again. And you all, real quick, I know you ha- also work for a living, and you're doing this yes. on the side somehow. You, yes. you're, you're you're doing all this stuff. It's a fantastic book. I'm telling everybody, get it. And when Volume Two gets uh, comes out, get it. When Volume Three comes out, get it. But real quick, tell our audience how do you get the book. And if it's okay with you, we can put it on our website, uh, at Heck least a yeah. picture of it or something like that. Absolutely. We'll take, we'll yeah, take care absolutely. of you, John. Don't you worry. Real quick, though, for our listeners, before we get killed by our engineer here, uh, when uh, how do we get the book? It's on. It's available on Amazon. You can order it. You can also go to your bookstores and order it as well. It's called Redemption, The Life of Rocky Marciano, Volume 1, 1923 to 1949, available on Amazon. Or go to your local bookstore and they can order you a copy in. John, thank you so much. You're a good man, great writer. You're a great man, great writer, and uh, we will be in touch again, and and, uh, whatever I can do to help this great project, I will. But thank you so much for being on our show. Appreciate it all. Thank you very much for your time. Okay, brother. Thank you. All right. Thanks, John. And again, folks, appreciate you listening to us. And, Claudia, we're just about up, and we're getting the – 
We're getting the old cane treatment to get pulled off. As always, I want to thank Hank Eduardo for the music. If you have an event or are interested in hiring Hank, he performs a variety of classic and modern Italian favorites. You can find him on Facebook. Again, it's Hank Eduardo. Thanks, Hank, as always, for the music. And as always, Claudia, if you miss our shows, where can they go to listen to it? ItalianImpactWeekly.com. And uh, send us your questions and comments at questions at ItalianImpactWeekly.com. We appreciate all the listeners. We hope you love our show. We certainly love bringing it to you. And as always, thank you, Linda, Ida, and Mom and Pop. Talk to you soon. Thanks, all.